We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rob Dawson here. I got Jeff Goodman with me. Hell no. John Fink. Are we still live? Till the 68 till I die. I'm sorry, man. I blacked out. Randolph Children. DJ Khaled. You know the big DJ Khaled guy? Hands grown up and in. Goodman needs to be fired all the time. Josh Tapker. You're going to beat people straight up. You know the deal. They have no swag. They have no nothing. Terrell McNeil. From the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid-majors. This is Feel the 68. After that. Hello and welcome in to a Saturday night edition of After Dark here on Field of 68. You're listening to us live on SiriusXM, on YouTube, on Facebook, on X. We are everywhere. And what a Saturday slate it was. We had teams go on the road and get impressive wins. We had buzzer beaters, teams making their case for the tournament, maybe some teams playing their way out of it. We'll get into all of that today on the show. I'm John Martin, joined tonight by Rob Doster and Jeff Goodman. Might I add, man, you just dashing in that in that hue, dashing. I, I don't want to say the, but, but but dashing in that hue for you. Yeah, don't I look good in orange? I was gonna let you say it. I was gonna let you. And you <laughs> I think do. I look phenomenal. Rob, I think he, I look phenomenal he, he, he rocks it. The power. Team. I don't think. Good- I don't think Goodman looks good in any color, so that's uh, (laughs) – I'm going to give him a little bit of credit tonight. Listen, fellas, we have – this is the second-to-last big Saturday of the regular season in college basketball. Uh, 137 games. We'll have one more week of of this next weekend. I'm going to miss it. I already can feel a tear coming on, but no shortage of action uh, on this Saturday in college hoops. Rob, we'll start with you. Um, and we'll start with probably the most impressive win of the day, which is Tennessee going into Tuscaloosa as a four-point underdog and coming out of there with a win, 81-74. to Zakai Ziegler has 18 points, hit so many big threes there in the second half. Dalt Connect really was never able to stay on the floor, was in foul trouble all night long, and they were able to get this win in spite of that. Um, what did Tennessee say tonight? with this win on the road in Tuscaloosa? I I thought it was a statement. Um, you know, the, I think that for most of the year, when we had conversations about who the best team in the SEC was, it was always, you know, I think it might be Auburn. 
Now look at Kentucky's ceiling. Look how good they can be when they play great. Oh, Alabama can put up 115 points on anybody in college basketball. Um, look at South Carolina making this run out of nowhere. Look how good they are. Uh, it, it feels like it wasn't until the last couple of weeks that we really started having a, a real conversation about how good this Tennessee team is and how good they can be. Um, they're now all alone in first place in the SEC with this win. Uh, and they have a tough schedule down the stretch. They're going to, they still, um, are going to be challenged here in their last two games. But what stood out to me more than anything else is that they go on the road on game day in front of a completely sold out 15,000 people in Coleman Coliseum. Um, and the two guys that we've been hyping all year long for them, Zakai Ziegler and Dalton Connect, combined to go 10 for 32 from the floor and 5 for 21 from three against the best offense in college basketball. And they still found a way to win on the road, despite blowing a lead and finding themselves down by as many as seven points in the second half. I don't think that you can say enough about um, the job that they did defensively, Tennessee. I don't yeah. think you can say enough about yeah. uh, how how impressive this win is. Um, and, and here's my biggest thing, right? Like on, on, on Tuesday night, Dalton Connect uh, goes for, I think he scored 25 points in the last 12 minutes, finished with 39 points. And our whole thing was, I remember saying this very specifically, Tennessee, it doesn't really matter if they have anybody else. All you need to do is just give the ball to Dalton Connect and let him cook, and that's how they go and win games. That's not what they did tonight on the road against the team they were tied for first place in the SEC with in Alabama. They now have a sweep over Alabama, and um, they beat in Auburn. They won at Kentucky. I just, I, I could not be more impressed, Jeff, with, with what we saw from Tennessee tonight. You know, because they've got men. I mean, when you look at it, how many teams – here's the difference between them and Kentucky. Their top seven guys are all upperclassmen, right? I mean, Dalton Connect's probably 22, 23, whatever he is, right? This is a guy mm -hmm. Ziegler has played a ton of minutes. He's a junior coming back from that injury. He's looked completely different, really, over the last probably six weeks of the year. Didn't have a great shooting night tonight. Um, but, again, they, they've got role allocation. They've got older dudes. They've got bigs, Adu. They've got – Vescovy, who knows how to play and now fills a role instead of having to do too much. So, you know, to me, I was so out on this team at the beginning of the year. And even when Connect mm -hmm. started to play well, I was like, all right, let's see if he can sustain it. Let's see if there are other guys can kind of fill in the gaps. Um, he sustained it. I mean, again, he's averaging 25 a game in SEC play. He's been as good as anybody in the country, probably including Zach Eady, over the last two months of the season. Uh, but again, it's Ziegler, it's Adu, it's Josiah Jordan-James, it's those other pieces that are older, that are men, that know how to guard, which they do. I mean, the, the reason Dalton Connect fits in so well, guys, is why. He doesn't really guard, but he doesn't really have to on this team. Right. It's, right. It, it's, it's funny, true. John. The reason why he went there is we knew what he could do offensively. And he's like, I'm going to go to Tennessee to learn how to play defense. And then he gets to Tennessee, <laughs> and Rick Barnes is like, yeah, you know what? Just let them handle the defense. You, you go out there and get buckets, Dalton. That's all we need you to do. Don't worry about Yeah, I mean, that's really – And tonight was why he tried to play defense and got in foul trouble. Exactly. Yeah, look, I mean, they brought him in, you know, to come teach us how to play offense, right? Because we don't know how to do that ever here. <laughs> Um, I do before we get into because there's a, there's a secondary conversation with Tennessee and just sort of the ramifications of of this one. I do want to talk a little bit about Alabama though, Rob, because if you would have said before this game again as a four point uh, as a four point favorite 
you mentioned tied for first in, in, in the league, in the conference. And you just said only 13 from, from Dalton Connect. He's in foul trouble the whole game. And you still lose the game by seven. You'd have been massively disappointed. So just for Alabama, I, I look, for me, I, I was I came away very down on them. This was a game that was set up for them to win. All this all the things broke right. And I know Nelson was in foul trouble, but I don't know. In terms of teams that can go go, go deep in this tournament, the three point variance is just so wild with them and it bit them tonight. Yeah, you know, I, I think that this is to me tonight was a sign of the coaching job that Nate Oates has done this season overall. Because if you look at this Alabama roster, it, it's not like if you compare it to Tennessee's roster overall and you compare it to Kentucky's roster overall, you're probably not taking Alabama in any of those scenarios, right? Um, they have a bunch of up transfer from the mid-major ranks and, and up transfers from the mid-major ranks can be great, but it's not like we're looking at an Alabama roster where you have a Herb Jones, where you have um, a Brandon Miller, where you have a bunch of guys that we know are going to end up being NBA players in the long term. We know that they don't have Charles Bediaco, which means that they're not going to be all that good defensively compared to what we thought that they could end up being. So um, I, I think that the fact that they are in the mix for an SEC regular season title says everything you need to know about the coaching job that Nate Oates has done and the fact that they have more or less played above their heads for the majority of the season. And th this is kind of who they are, right? They are a team that is going to be, um, when they get hot, when the threes are going down, uh, when they are able to get up and down the floor and play at the pace that they want to play, they're going to be able to beat a lot of really, really good teams. But they are not a team that is built to be able to to win these grinded out games. You know, I, good. I mean, it's your favorite quote, right? It's it's what Nate said after the uh, the loss at Kentucky, and he basically said, and I'm paraphrasing here, our guys don't want to play defense. And um, I I do think that uh, I don't think they were horrible tonight on the end of the floor, but um, I think it's just kind of a sign of what this Alabama team is in this current state. And and the fact that they are in a position to still make a run. I mean, look, they get, uh, they're at Florida on Tuesday. They get Arkansas at home. Like those are both games that in theory, they have a chance to win, right? You win both those games. Tennessee is at South Carolina. They get Kentucky at home, right? There's still a very real chance that we could look up on the last Saturday of the college basketball season. Alabama is a co-champion in the SEC regular season race. And I think that would be a phenomenal season for everything, con considering everything that happened in the offseason with Alabama and Nate Oates. Well, that, that's the thing. I mean, you look up at Alabama and you're like, they had a completely revamped team from players to mm -hmm. coaches, right? Mark Sears was kind of the one guy back that filled any sort of big role from last year. Look at the top teams, UConn. Now, I know they have a lot of new guys, but they also have three key guys back. Purdue has basically their entire team back. Houston has a bunch of key guys back. Tennessee, a bunch of key guys back. There, there's a blueprint here, right? There is a blueprint. Getting off to a good start, sustaining it. Alabama, obviously, like you said, it, listen, with Betty Ako, they're a completely different team. Mm -hmm. They didn't have rights also tonight. He's their best perimeter shooter. But I thought the kid Cosby came in, make a couple, you know, he made a couple big shots. Uh, but again, they yeah. miss him. Nelson was terrible. Stevenson isn't ready. They've got nothing down low that they can trust. Absolutely nothing. And that's why, honestly, Mark Sears is, is a second-team All-American, in my opinion, because he has absolutely carried a team that really doesn't have a ton around him. And he's done it quietly. We had him on the show the other night. He's just kind of an understated kid. 
uh, but he's done an incredible job this year, putting them in a situation where they're fighting and had a chance tonight to, to be in the driver's seat for an SEC regular season title. Yeah, I mean, all that's true. And it's also true that they were up nine in the second half, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. all that is still, you know, so I, again, I mean, yeah, to me, it's like you had an opportunity tonight uh, and you let it slip through. I mean, I, I I guess I won't banish you to the depths of hell for losing to a really good Tennessee team, but it just kind of felt like that was one with Connect not really able to get going, <laughs> you know, sure. that, that, uh, that, that well, I mean, they to. had a chance, man. Like they, they had a they chance to let the chance go. They had a chance yeah. to let but the chance go. But have they been playing over their head all year, John? Have well, they been playing over their head all year? That's, I think, what we're trying to say here is well, no, I mean, and, and, yeah, yeah, and you're and you're right, and you're right. I, that roster is is you don't look at that roster and think, oh man, this this team was built to go, you know, win the SEC championship and go to the Elite Eight. You don't think that, but again, you're up nine, like find a way. But uh, yeah. you know, that's college basketball, and I also think Tennessee is good, which leads us to you know our next discussion. Rob, can they find a way? I guess they're going to have the opportunities here, right? It just depends on how much they maximize them to get that one seed. Um, what are they going to have to do? How much help do you think are they going to need from Arizona, for example? What's the sort of what's the outlook for Tennessee? I think it's com- completely in their hands. I think if they uh, if they win out, right? So they already have a win at Alabama, the or the, the sweep at Alabama. A home win over Auburn, a win at Kentucky, a win at Wisconsin. Um, they beat Illinois at home, right? They have what is that? Six wins over uh, in what would you would consider quad one A um, opportunities, right? They have three wins over top seven teams. One of those is on the road. Uh, they still get South Carolina on the road before the season's over, and they get Kentucky at home. If they win out, and then they go and they make a run in the SEC tournament, which is kind of the X factor when it comes to the the, the seating, you know, what happens in these conference tournaments. But I think if they went out and they beat South Carolina on the road and they get Kentucky at home, they are going to head into the SEC tournament as the fourth number one seed. All due respect to Arizona, all due respect to North Carolina. I don't know how you could take a team that wins the outright SEC title when you know that Alabama, South Carolina, yeah. Kentucky, Auburn, even Florida are in this conference. If they win the outright regular season title, then to me they have to be the team that is the fourth number one seed, especially when you consider they won yeah. at Wisconsin by 10 earlier this year. They beat Illinois at home earlier this year, right? It's not like they've only done some stuff in the SEC. Um, yep. So, I, I, yeah, to me they are um, – to me, they are the fourth number one seed, and it, it, as of right now, they are, and it is in their hands if it's going to be that as the season kind of progresses here. Yeah, I mean, Jeff, can I just say it's nice. This network obviously covers all levels of uh, in, in corners of college basketball, but it's nice to hear Rob give the South a little bit of a of, of some reverence. We play basketball yeah. down here, you know. It's not it's not Do just in the Big it? East. Wait, they, they play, not, play no, I live in the South. I live in the South, yeah. man. We're not talking about Memphis. I live in the South. That's where Memphis is. And it ain't, we're not talking about the Big East right now. We're not talking about the, the Big 12 right now. We're not talking about the Big 10. We're talking about the Dirty South. You know, have a little respect for the Dirty South basketball. No, I, I think the SEC is actually uh, really entertaining this year because it's been kind of wide open most of the year. And now we, we've come to accept that. Tennessee probably is a notch above everybody else in this league right now. Uh, I do think they're probably have the inside track to the final number one seed. You know, UConn, Purdue, we know. Houston, we know for the most part. Um, And and I think the fourth one, listen, the Pac-12 stinks. Uh, Arizona's had some bad losses. 
if you look at it, Tennessee really hasn't had any bad losses for the most part. What Their worst loss at Texas A&M, right? That's probably their worst loss this year. Um, yeah. So is that right? Yeah. About, yeah. And, and here's the other thing. Like Oregon State, right. Arizona lost at Oregon State. Arizona lost at Stanford. Um, yes. I know that they have the win I'm over saying, Alabama on a new And the league stinks. Yes, and they won at Duke, and they beat Michigan. Look, look, I get it. They have a lot of really good wins and really high-level wins. Uh, but they're also cleaning up against a conference that stinks. And, um, again, I think a lot of this is going to end up getting determined by what happens in the conference tournaments. And I don't think that by any stretch of the imagination, North Carolina is out of the picture. Uh, I still think that they can find a way to climb up into that number one seed line. Sure. But it's to me, it's it's Tennessee. It's Tennessee. It's Tennessee. But how are you it's climbing up? Hands. Rob, how are you climbing up? When ultimately all you have in front of you is a win against Carolina that's going to help you in the regular season finale, they have no. it. But Tennessee's still got well, Kentucky wait, yeah. and South Carolina left. Yeah, though it's the win at Duke, so it's a win at Duke in a rivalry game, and then you have the ACC sure. tournament. You go out and you win the ACC yep. tournament. North Carolina's the one that needs help, right? If they're they have to win all the do all that stuff, they basically have to win out and hope that Arizona right. takes a loss and doesn't win the Pac-12 tournament or. Um, and Tennessee drops right. one like at South Carolina and then falls in like the semifinal of the SEC tournament or something like this. So North Carolina will need some help, but I think that they are the one that can get there. But again, if Tennessee wins out, it's not even a conversation. Like that, we, we just spent five minutes here, a complete waste of time if Tennessee wins out because they're going to be the fourth number one. So yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it, it was certainly again. You there were a lot of uh, impressive wins in college basketball today. We're gonna get into what Houston did. Uh, uh, J- Jamal Shed, man, it doesn't matter what league he's in, whether it's the AAC, whether it's the Big Twelve, the dude just makes a career out of ripping hearts out on the road. I mean, it's it's uh, it's pretty amazing what he does. So we'll get into that. Uh, we'll stay in the Big Twelve. Uh, Scott Drew and Baylor really coming on. We'll get into all of that. And more on the other side. You are watching and listening to Field of 68 After Dark on Sirius XM. Back after this. What's going on, guys? Before we get back to the show, I need to let you all know about the Field of 68 Daily, an all-encompassing college basketball newsletter that arrives in your inbox, you guessed it, daily. For less than a dollar a week, you'll wake up every morning to more than 1,500 words detailing everything that you need to know to stay up to date on the world of college basketball. From the notable mid-major upsets to the stars that are out injured to the breakout performances that only our team of college basketball junkies watched. The Daily is edited and produced by Mike Miller, who spent more than two decades running NBC's digital written content and is subscribed by more than half of the Division I coaching staffs, the biggest names in college basketball media, and the agents that work as power brokers in the sport. For just $50 for the year, you get access to the same information that the insiders get. And before we get you back to your regularly scheduled Field of 68 content, let me tell you guys about the Field of 68 merch store. Head over to fieldof68.shop for officially branded Field of 68 apparel. Whether you're supporting your favorite team in the student section or from the couch, there is no better way to gear up and the latest from the Field of 68. The best thing I can say about our merch is the quality of the product. Anyone that has ever worn a t-shirt knows how frustrating it is when the neck gets all stretched out and the bottom of the shirt starts looking like the bottom of bell-bottom jeans. And there's nothing worse than a hoodie that loses its snugness that makes it such a perfect way to stay warm during the cold winter weather. Whether you're shopping for yourself or for the college basketball fan in your life, everything you need is at the Field of 68.shop. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back. Field of 68 After Dark. We're here on Sirius XM uh, talking all things from a packed Saturday in college basketball. By the way, uh, looks like Gonzaga, number 23-ranked Gonzaga, is up 46-35 on the road at St. Mary's. So this is a very important game for Gonzaga and yeah. their tournament hopes. Uh, so that's certainly one to watch. They are they are playing uh, their best basketball as they are rounding out the season. There's no doubt about that. So we'll touch on that as, as uh, that gets near to going final. There were some interesting results uh, over the weekend. I think Kentucky is – actually undefeated uh jeff since rob had the lights turned out in rup i don't know i don't think they've lost a game have they lost a game since then i don't yeah, know they lost yeah, yeah, they, at lsu at yeah. lsu okay. they, they, <laughs> they lost ball. one one freak and they should have won the game right i mean dillingham and they lost it, they lost at home against Zaga too like they're they're five and okay, they're, right, they're six right. and two they're six and two right. with a, some uh, admittedly very good wins in there. Six and two <laughs> since the lights went out at Rupp. Uh, and although today was a little bit more interesting than most people probably yes. anticipated, Jeff, Kentucky does once again win 111 to 102. And, you know, it's they've mostly been doing it the same way. It's it's Antonio Reeves. It's Reed Shepard. It's Rob Dillingham. Uh, Big Z did come off the bench and give him 12. Um, what do you make of just the way, Jeff, that Kentucky – is, is putting these games together now, and, and and it just feels like they are getting hot. They are. The, on, the only thing I worry about them is still trying to figure out their rotation now. Like, I don't think Cal's got any idea what, what to do in the front court right now, right? Bradshaw was good today. For the first time in a while, um, Arkansas made him look good. And Big Z was good. And Onyensu barely played today. So I feel like I'm one – hand it's good because he's got different options up front on the other hand he has no idea who to trust up front from a game-to-game -game basis uh where in the backcourt we know like dillingham was electric in the last five minutes right i think he either scored or assisted on 16 straight points to kind of get him for where they were down like 10 to put him in the lead and eventually win the game and you know arkansas stinks we know that but Again, for, for Kentucky, it's just more of gaining that confidence here down the stretch because they've been a roller coaster ride and they need to get some consistency. They're not going to defend at a high level consistently. We know that. Um, are they going to go to a Final Four? Probably not unless the matchups are right for them. 
but they're so much damn fun to watch. Like that's the beauty. I texted it earlier. I tweeted it earlier today. A buddy of mine texted me. He said, "Like, listen, I know we're not going and winning the whole thing. We're probably not going to the Final Four, but man, watching this sure beats like the only offense we had was getting on the offensive glass because we didn't know how to run shit. And now it's just fun to watch these dudes cook. Whether it's Reeves, Dillingham, Wagner was really good today. Shepard, yeah. Shepard." They're just fun. They're fun. So, like, in any game, they can beat anybody. On a lot of games, they can lose anybody. Well, that can be said for about 30 teams in the country. The difference with Kentucky is they are a blast to watch. Yeah, I, I think that it's it's going to be interesting to see how um, they kind of figure out what's going on in the front court when you get into the NCAA tournament because for a while they were riding on and they basically said, look, he's going to be our best defender. He's going to be the guy that could deal with Janai broom in the post. He's going to be the guy that looks like he's probably the best when it comes to guarding ball screens. And that worked for a little while. It looks like big Z is probably their best shot blocker and, uh, and, and floor spacer. He gets completely lost defensively. Part of the reason why Arkansas was able to put up 102 points is because Big Z spent a lot of the 20 minutes that he was on the floor having no idea how to do anything other than be seven foot two with long arms, right? Um, there are times where Trey Mitchell's presence uh, is really valuable, not so much lately because he's been banged up for about a month and a half, but getting him back is something that's going to help. Aaron Bradshaw, seeing him finally play well. Um, and I, I think what you're going to have to do is it's going to be like a matchup by matchup thing, right? It makes a lot of sense when you go up against a team that has the best five men in the SEC in Janai Broom that Kentucky's going to play Agana uh, 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 Yesu for a lot of minutes. It's going to make sense when you play teams that are going to spread it out a little bit more that Big Z is going to play some more minutes, like he did against Alabama when he had 18 points. So um, as long as to me, the key is 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 making sure that everybody's kind of bought in, right? And I, it looks like that to me, that guys are bought in, they're connected, they want their teammates to do well. You know, I think that Aaron Bradshaw's performance tonight is really telling uh, in the sense that he's been – there have been games where he's played like one minute, right? He hasn't really gotten much burn over the course of the last month or so. And when he gets his chance, he comes out there and he puts up 15 points in 12 minutes, right? Like he comes out there and he actually impacts a game where they needed him because at one point they were down by nine with six minutes left in this game. So um, I think it's it's sometimes a bad thing when you have too many weapons and too many options. But I think in Kentucky's case, as long as all of these guys understand there are going to be nights when you're going to get more minutes, there's going to be nights where you may not play and it's going to be kind of a matchup-based thing and they're still bought in, that to me is the most important thing, right? Like that, this could turn bad if or we've said it all year, it can turn bad if guys don't understand well, it's that. It's late too, Robert. It's yes. late now. So like it would well, have already saying, turned like, bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like we were had, saying that for a while. We were saying that for a while, but it could have turned bad until now. Yeah. They haven't had 10 guys till today, really. Trey Mitchell came back, you know, big Z's now like in, out, in. He, today he was in. Today was like the first day I felt like they had all 10 and they could play all 10. And it's so late in the year. I don't think you're going to have guys bitching and moaning at this. But by that point, the season's going to be over. That's well, Yeah, that's my point. Is like they they made it through the worst part of it, and now they're here and they've won five out of the last six and three in a row. And if it wasn't for a buzzer beater and a box out, they'd be a game out of first place with a chance to get into first place when they play at Tennessee on the last game of the regular season. That's the – the margins are that fine. Uh, all right. Uh, on to um, the Big 12, boys. Baylor at home 
Uh, I think they're three and a half, four point favorite. Uh, Kevin McCullough comes back. Uh, Jeff Goodman gets the gets the scoop there. That uh, did you get the scoop? Or did no. some, you? you no, okay, yeah. Just try to work a little harder next time. Uh, but Kevin McCullough <laughs> did make his return after a two week absence, eighty two seventy four, and he was good. He was good. Hunter Dickinson was good, and it wasn't enough. Baylor gets the job done at home, eighty two seventy four. Uh, Jaden Nunn, Ray J. Dennis uh, were absolutely spectacular. Uh, made every free throw, made every big shot when they had to. I mean, Kansas did make that a game. Uh, got it down to four, six there late, but Baylor just had an answer every single time. Jeff, we can't make excuses for the Kansas Jayhawks now with McCuller back. What's going on? Well, the only excuses we can make are that they didn't put together their roster well enough before the season. That And it's not an excuse. It's not a valid excuse because they thought Timberlake was going to be a guy that could maybe start or at least be a key guy off the bench. And he's hurt him this year. Um, you know, Jamari McDowell hasn't given like, zero points for him, by the way, the zero points. Right. El Marco Jackson can't shoot, can't play. Like Arterio Morris was supposed to be a guy. He got booted off the team and I'm not sure he could shoot it anyway. So I'm not sure how big of a, of a fixer he would have been in this situation because they can't shoot the ball. They can't other than Furphy, they're shooting. I believe it was 30% from three since conference play started. They're not a good shooting team. They have no bench. They're so reliant on these four or five guys. And Furphy was terrible. KJ Adams was terrible today offensively. You, you just can't be carried by Dickinson and McCuller and nobody else chipping in. When all five of them are clicking, yeah, they can beat almost anybody. But how many times is that going to happen? You know, they're nine and seven right now. Nine and seven. Is that right? In the league? Mm -hmm. They're nine and yeah. seven for the first time in Bill Self's tenure Oof. at Kansas. Like they're mediocre. It's the first time they're Bill Self has ever had seven conference. It's the first time Bill Self has ever had seven conference losses in league play in his career as a college which, basketball which coach. Which is a testament to Bill Self, right? Sure. I mm -hmm. mean, it's – but it's also a testament to how – kind of mediocre this Kansas group is. Yes. Yeah, and yes. it's the first time Kansas has had seven league losses uh, since Roy Williams back in 1989. They had seven His league first losses. His uh, first wow. year. What's that? How, 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 so 89, how many years is that? 35. 35? Damn, I was born in 91. I didn't want to hear you say that. that that's kind of crazy that I'm getting this old. But, yeah, I mean – I, I almost feel a little guilty, though, Rob, that we're talking about the Kansas side of this. And Baylor, Baylor was one free throw from Missy away from maybe holding off Houston. They go on the road, they beat mm -hmm. TCU. Now they've handled Kansas. Like we, I, I don't think there are a ton of teams outside of the you know top four seeds that can make a run. I feel like Baylor might be one of them. Am I crazy? Is this just a home thing? Like, what do we think of Baylor? I think that they are really interesting with the guards that they have, right? Like, it's not really, you know, I've, I'm not really breaking news when I say that the combination of Ray J. Dennis and Jacoby Walter and Jaden Dunn when he plays like this and Jalen Bridges, like, that's a really, really good perimeter quartet. And, you know, they didn't even have lengths of love tonight. Um, but for me, the the biggest difference tonight was was Eve Missy, right? We talked about this on, uh, was it was it Wednesday night, Tuesday night? 
that after what happened last Saturday against Baylor, when Missy kind of gave that game away, he came back and he had 16 points and, and a really impressive win uh, at TCU. Well, tonight he had 17. Um, and I, I do think that uh, – to me, he's kind of the the great equalizer here, right? Because you're going to run into somebody at some point during the NCAA tournament that's going to have a monster inside, whether it's Zach Eady, whether it's someone like a Hunter Dickinson, like whether it's someone like an Armando Baycott. Someone's going to have a great big guy that you're going to run into. And having someone that can match up with them, even if it's a freshman, is really important for this Baylor team. That's the question that we had about them coming into the season, and I think that uh, they de- delivered there. I also think they've gotten a little bit better on the defensive end of the floor. They're starting to go to this one-one-three, yeah. like yeah. junkyard, uh, junk defense zone that they they that built. Yep. Like it's a throwback, Scott. Drew. I feel like I'm I'm waiting for Isaiah Austin and uh, and Perry Ellis to or Perry, no Perry Perry Clark Perry who Jones Perry Jones Perry Jones Perry Jones Perry Jones like one of those guys to come out here out of nowhere and and start playing for this Baylor team. But um, I, I'm I like them, man. I I think that they're a very very dangerous team. I would probably put them in the same category as like a Kentucky and an Alabama and, and one of these teams where when they get hot, they're going to be able to be anybody in the country. The question is their yeah. defense. The one thing about Kentucky that I did want to like mention while we were on the subject is that their ceiling is sweet 16. Like that's their ceiling because they don't defend. They can't defend. They can't guard. If you look at their profile for just from, a, if you just use efficiency ratings over the last 20 years, I think the, the, the deepest run that any team that looks like them with adjusted offense and adjusted defense, best they've ever done is sweet 16. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. it's just so, so you're, you're capped, you know, you're just capped when you, when you can't guard. And I do think, like you said, Rob, like this Baylor team, you know, that they're, 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 they're coming around on that end of the floor. And, and eventually, you know, you will have to get stops. And it's why Alabama, I got one, for example. Right? Hey, I got one for both of you. I got one for both of you. You're, you got your house. You're betting your house on either Kansas or Kentucky to go further in the NCAA tournament. We don't know the matchups. Who are you taking, Rob? I, I'm, I'm taking Kentucky. I, I'm, I'm taking Kentucky because I just don't uh, – I think that it's more likely that they get hot for three straight games and find a way to be able to pick some people off than I do that. Rob uh, doesn't have a house. Yeah, this Kansas – I just – I don't – I don't see this Kansas team being able to make it. Mostly because I don't trust that – like a guy with a bone bruise that couldn't play four out of five games is going to be able to make it through the Big 12 tournament and then play two games in three days on back-to-back weekends. I just – Good point. I'm not – Good point. I'm not – I'm not buying that he's going to be healthy. I'm not buying that a team with four guys is wow. going to be able to make a run when they can't shoot. Like Kansas and Creighton are, have have a lot of things similar to them in, in my eyes, guys, where you have four four dudes and then you're trying to figure out who that fifth guy is and that fifth spot in the rotation. The difference between the two of them is that Creighton shoots the shit out of it. And Kansas, you're like, all right, well, where are they going to make these shots from? Like Bill Self's entire offense today, like a throwback because they kept playing high low. They get the ball to Hunter Dickinson and he tried to throw it into the post to to KJ Adams. If you look at what they shot, they took 13 threes. And I think at one point in the second half, they were one for five with about eight minutes left before they had to try to find a way to rally down the stretch. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not buying into this Kansas team. I think that that I, I think we can see sealing Kentucky for three straight games. That would not surprise me. Well, damn, Rob doesn't have a house. That's uh, that's depressing. Uh, but uh, he can probably come room. My wife, he can come room with you. All right, we'll come back. Jeff Goodman's going to react to Jared McCain's TikToks, and also Duke's win over Virginia. We'll do that when we get I'm back. You're watching him listen to the field of sixty-eight after dark. <laughs> 
As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 as we all get ready for the best month of the year, March Madness. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, you can use the bonus code FIELD150 and you will get $150 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM, regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. Here's the best part. All you need to do is deposit and bet $5 of your hard-earned money. This is how you make it work. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using the bonus code FIELD150. That's FIELD150. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $150 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure you use that bonus code FIELD150 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available in one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in Philly or New York, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create a new account in each state. It's easy, it's simple, and it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the conference tournaments and for the NCAA tournament. Bet insurance tokens college hoops odds boost and my personal favorite a nice little parlay boost here and there so download the bet mgm app and sign up today welcome back to field of 68 after dark we're here live for the next 25 minutes or so on sirius xm uh youtube x facebook and then of course after uh the show wraps up on sirius we will do the afters uh and, and touch on whatever we missed i feel like we this is just so damn comprehensive that there's not going to be much of that jeff you're doing an incredible job today better than usual it sticks out uh as does this win from the duke blue devils earlier today 73 48 over virginia um and, and, and I, look, it's more of what the, the Blue Devils have been doing, Jeff, but I don't know. It, it, it's also like what happened to Virginia like this season. There was a time we is. were doing a show. We were doing a show. You were like Virginia to win the ACC or some crazy shit like that. I don't know what kind of drugs or barbiturates you might have been on that night. But since then, they, I don't think they've cracked 50. No, they're, they're terrible right now. I mean, I, I honestly thought for a minute, Tony Bennett was going to go in the locker room at Cameron and not come back out and just be like tapping out. No moss. Like I'm out. I'm retired. I'm not dealing with this shit anymore. My team can't score. We stink. Um, and I don't want to deal with the NIL or any of this crap anymore. Um, they don't have enough. Like we, we've known that all year. Yeah. Like somehow Tony Bennett's been able to get him where they're kind of on the bubble because he's Tony Bennett. But this Duke team, I mean, again, McCain didn't even do anything today. But Filipowski looked like the Filipowski we thought we were going to see all year. And it's kind of funny that it came, you know, right after the court storm when he got hurt. Um, I think it maybe motivated him a little bit here. And Proctor's looked better over the last couple of weeks. And those are the two guys that we thought, like, okay, they're going to be our dudes. They're going to be our lottery picks. But now they know they have McCain when they need him. Uh, now, again, Roach is still Roach. Like, I just think this Duke team has what a lot of teams don't, right? They've got a lot of good players who are capable of stepping up and giving you 20. There just aren't many teams like that. And, again, listen, 
they held Virginia to 48. That's not something to brag about these days, but they still did it. They still did it. Um, they're better defensively than they were to start the season. And, and again, I think they've got they got enough here to go to. Listen, if we're putting Duke in the equation with Kansas, with Kentucky, and you're throwing that fake house uh, on the market, Rob, and you're betting on one of the three, I'll tell you what, I'm betting your house. I'm betting on Duke. I'm betting your house. Yeah, I think – so my take on Duke is like they're easily the most – the, the highest floor out of uh, out of those three blue bloods, right? Like, I think that you can kind of look at Duke and say, this is a second weekend team. They're going to get to the Sweet 16. The way the bracket currently shapes up in our field in the 68 bracket is there a three seed with high point in the first round. High point, low key, pretty good. Alan Huss doing a great job there. Uh, and then South Carolina, um, Providence, or Villanova in the second round. That's who they would get. And, and if that's kind of where the level of matchup is for them in the second round, I think that it's pretty easy to see them finding a way to get to the second weekend. I just don't know what their ceiling is, right? Like, I just don't – I think I would trust Bill Self more, and I think that I would trust uh, Kentucky's players more to find a way to be able to beat one of the best teams in the country, like to be able to beat some top 10 teams. But sure. um, I think when it comes to like getting the business done and, and avoiding an upset, I think Duke is easily the safest pick out of those three so um if you're just trying to get someone to go to the second weekend i think it's Duke without question if you're trying to pick someone to go to the final four to me it's kentucky and then i don't know i don't know i just kansas man i don't even know yeah i get that i feel like, I, we, I, I feel I, like I, duke is also a different right about weight class and the other i was right about kansas teams. early now i didn't think they'd be nine and seven in the league but but you kind of could see their warts early on non-shooters no depth, like Bill Self going to have to win grinders over and over and over. You're not going to be able to do that every game in the tournament. You're not. John, I got a fun yeah. stat for you. In the last three games, Kentucky has scored 319 points. In the last six games, Virginia has scored 313 points. Virginia has played exactly twice the number of minutes that Kentucky has played. Uh, in that stretch and has scored six points fewer than the Wildcats have. That's the biggest flaw of this this this, this Virginia team. Here, here's my question, right? All right, Virginia gets smoked at Duke today. They are the one of the worst road teams in college basketball. I think that they are 25 points per possession worse on the road than they are playing in John Paul Jones um, arena. Uh, Wake Forest, after losing at Notre Dame, goes on the road and gets dropped by Virginia Tech despite having a 15-point lead. Uh, in the first half there. Pitt is not even in the, uh, the the NCAA tournament conversation at this point. There really is nobody else. There's basically five teams in the conversation right now in the yep. ACC. And one of them was on the outside looking in, according to our bracket on Friday afternoon, before they lost at Virginia Tech. And the other one was a 10 seed that went and lost by 25 points on the road today in Virginia. So is this a three-bid league? Like, is the ACC actually a three-bid league? I mean, I, I think it could be. I don't think it will be. I think they'll get a fourth in somehow here. I don't know who the hell it's going to be. But, again, you know, you could still see Tony Bennett going to the first four, and that's your fourth bid at the end of the day. But I'll say this. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's there's two teams that scare me. I mean, Clemson, I like Clemson, but I don't trust Clemson. Like, they're older with Gerard and P.J. Hall. I just don't trust them. You know, Carolina and Duke are the only teams that I see making an actual run in the NCAA tournament. And, yeah, I mean, 
it's insane because, you know, like you listen to all these coaches and they, they call me and they complain, you know, you're killing our league. Are you serious about the ACC? And I'm like, yeah, kind of. Like, what do you want me to say? Like, the bottom of the league stinks. It's awful. And, like, you know, Notre Dame's doing a good job right now, but part of the reason they are is because the middle of the league isn't very good. Like, it's just not. It's not right now. So, to me, yeah, I, well, I think there's that's, a change. That's one of the bigger free. issues. That's one of the biggest problems right now for the ACC is that Notre Dame was horrible for three months and, and completely destroyed any chance that they could have ever be like a quality opponent. Um, seven and 16 to start the year, two and 10 the ACC. Yep. Then they rip off a win against Virginia Tech at home. Then they beat Georgia Tech. Then they uh, beat Wake Forest at home. Then they beat Clemson at home. Now all of a sudden they have confidence. They're, they're in the last three weeks, they've probably been the best defensive team in the ACC. They've won five out of six. They get at North Carolina. They're at Virginia Tech. Like They've been the spoiler. So not only did they ruin chances for bubble teams like Wake Forest and Virginia Tech, beating Clemson, that brings their numbers and their their computer stuff down a little bit. Like, it just it, – it it did not help. They've also beat Virginia, by the way. They beat Virginia at home back in, uh, back in December. So the fact that they have all of these wins over teams that are kind of in that bubble mix is not a good thing for the ACC overall. They would have been better off if, if Notre Dame was just horrible and everybody beat them by 30 every single game. But because they've been right. able to win some of these games, all of a sudden you're and adding Miami like, has lost. Rob, Miami's yeah. killed the league this year. They're, they Miami's the one that we thought was going to be a lock tournament team, and they have been abysmal this year. They, they haven't killed the league, but they've just they haven't been very good because they've been banged up, and no one thought that losing Isaiah like we were just like yeah you know what Isaiah Wong and Jordan Miller were the two best players in the ACC last year, and they're gone. But Miami, yeah, they're just going to be just fine, be like fine. nothing ever happened. Right. Yeah, right. yeah, another uh, interesting team that we're, you know, in that's in this discussion is Wake Forest. And they, they you know, look, it's hard to win on the road, period, point blank. But they they get outscored by 20 in the second half uh, at Virginia Tech, go down 87 to 76. And, and you see it there. I mean, the net's good, you know. I mean, but but quad one and quad two, six and 11, Jeff, I mean, is that can't be good enough, can it? Notre Dame, like Rob said. You love yeah. at Notre Dame, at Virginia Tech. Those are now considered not great losses, even though there are two road games in the ACC that generally you would look at and say, hey, you know what? Those aren't bad losses. The problem is every loss is a bad loss right now uh, in the ACC for the most part that's not Duke, Carolina, or Clemson. And, uh, and that's the issue right now. They did not do enough in the non-conference. They had their opportunities, and they didn't take advantage of them. And as much as coaches want to say, well, we've gotten better, they know the deal. You could say that all you want, but the right. deal is already set up for everybody around the country that knows in November and December, if you don't win as a league, that's when you make your resume. That's when you make your bed and you can't change it at that point. Yeah, well, here's here's the biggest issue with Wake Forest. And um, I know you're saying that the the losing at Notre Dame and losing at Virginia Tech are not – Virginia Tech is a quad one loss on the road there. Um, North, Notre Dame is now a quad two loss because they've won enough where at Notre Dame is like, it's not going to be, it's not going to murder your profile when you look at that segment it out like that. Wake Forest now has five quad two losses. They're one and six against quad one. Their only win against a quadrant one opponent is Duke at home. 
they've only won on the road at Boston College and uh, at Georgia Tech. They haven't done enough away from home. They don't have great wins at the top. They didn't play a difficult non-conference schedule. Like, those are the things. That's what the committee looks for. Quadrant, quadrant one wins, like high-level wins against the field, right? All of that kind of stuff. They look to see how you do on the road, and they look to see whether you schedule, uh, you, you challenge yourself with your schedule in the non-conference. And Wake Forest did none of the three. And, like, you watch this team, right? You see how they play, and that is a tournament-quality team. That is a team, I, 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 will, I will go to my grave saying this, that they can make a second weekend if they get into the tournament. But they didn't do the things you got to be able to do to get into the tournament. Now they have two games left. One of them is Clemson at home. You have to win these last two. There's no doubt about it. You got to do some work in the ACC tournament, and that's where we're at with Wake Forest at this point. It is what it is. Yeah, and people want to expand this thing. Oh, my. Yeah. Contract. Come on, man. Come back, touch on the Big Ten, wrap this thing up. Build a 68 after dark. Back after this. Big news, guys. I am thrilled to announce that we have partnered with Autograph, a company founded by the GOAT himself, Tom Brady. The Autograph fandom app gives you access to the best college hoops content, fan contests, and exclusive rewards like discounted tickets, all for doing the things that diehard fans like you already do following your favorite team in the news and listening to podcasts just like this one. When Tom, and yes, I am calling him Tom, we're on a first name basis these days, co-founded Autograph. He had one mission in mind, change the fan experience for the better. It works like this. You get all of your college hoops content you want in one place. You get articles from your favorite writers, pods from your favorite hosts, Contests from your favorite creators, all on the feeds and the sites that you already enjoy. But instead of having to go to all these different places, it all comes to you in one spot the autograph fandom map. But here's the best part the more content that you consume, the higher you rank in the app. As you consider the level up in status on the app, you can unlock unique rewards curated exclusively for you. So download the free autograph app in the app store and use the referral code F68, that's F68, or tap in at the link in the description below or in the podcast app of your choosing to start earning points for doing something as normal as listening to this very podcast. It really is that simple. All right, going around uh, the Saturday slate here on After Dark. We're on SiriusXM for uh, about 10 more minutes. Uh, we've talked about the ACC. We've talked about the SEC. We've talked about uh, uh, you know the, the Big 12. Now we're going to touch on the Big 10. Michigan State, Purdue, um, probably more competitive than most people would have expected. Purdue ultimately does get it done, 80-74 to 74 here. Uh, Jeff, as we're watching this Michigan State season sort of come to a, an end here it feels like or however it looks however it does come to an end this was a top five team in the preseason it is not that today and uh why not why why has this program had such a hard time finding some traction this year i mean again because it's kind of been tyson walker and everybody else is just kind of a a, a wild card right like aj hogard's up and down Aikens was better today, but he, he's really been disappointing for the most part compared to what I thought they were going to give him. And then they've got nothing up front. 
And uh, again, listen, Zach Eadie's going to go for 32 against a lot of teams. Um, but you can't let him go for 32 and then Braden Smith go for 23. That's the problem. Right. So you got dominated up front, which, again, you're going to do. Most teams are going to give that up to, to Purdue and, and Zach Eadie. But um, Lawyer went for 15. I mean, like, you, you just can't give him everything. And that's what Michigan State did here. They played him tough. There's no shame in that. But Hogard was three for 13, you know, eight points. Um, they just they need more. They need more than than that. And they get nothing up front against Sissoko gave them nothing. Um, you know, Kohler gives them nothing. Cooper gave them a little bit. Booker was actually in spurts. Looks again. It, it's almost like at this point. Just throw Cooper, I mean, uh, throw Booker out there and just see what he can give you. I know he's not tough enough. I know Izzo gets frustrated because, you know, obviously he, he's he's long, thin, and not his type of big right now. But at least he's an upside guy at this point. And um, the other guys, you kind of know what you're going to get, and it's not enough. Uh, I'm going to spin zone this one, John. I, I'm going to I'm going to take a different angle here. Okay. Zach Eady had 32 points, 11 boards, four assists, two blocks, nine for 15 from the floor, got 20 foul shots, right? Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer combined to shoot eight for 10 from three. You got good Braden Smith. You got good Fletcher Lawyer on the same night, right? You got dominant Zach Eady, player of the year, Zach Eady. And Michigan State lost by six. They were down by one possession with like four minutes left in this game. Um they were right there. I I actually thought that what we saw from Michigan State with Xavier Booker being a guy that can like space the floor a little bit, the five spot with, um, you know, Jay Nakin starting to play a little bit better with uh, with some of their guards um, looking like they were a little bit more uh, a little bit more into passing the ball into being more of a point guard. Like I I just thought that what we saw from Michigan State tonight was better than what I expected. Um, and I don't think that there is any shame in going on the road to Mackey Arena in that environment against that team and getting the good Braden Smith game, getting the good Fletcher Lawyer game, getting the great Zach Eady game, and finding a way to hang with them. Um, we know that Michigan State is not what we thought they were going to be coming into the season, but if they can find a way to win their last couple of games in the regular season, I, I got to bring up their schedule here to know exactly who they're playing, but um, we have – uh, Northwestern at home and at Indiana. You can win both those games. You're 19 and 12. You're 11 and 9 in the, in the Big Ten. You're probably in the NCAA tournament at that point, regardless of what happens in the Big Ten tournament. And I just, I, I think that that is, all things considered, trending in the right direction. I know that they've lost three in a row here, but I just, I don't know, man. Like, I don't think that you can say a six point loss on the road to a Purdue team when their guards played no, as good as they're going to play. Him. Like, it's a bad thing, you know? Like, I, I'm not saying it's not going to hurt them. I just, I don't know. I, I feel like this is my concern for Michigan is what happened against Ohio State on Sunday. My concern for Michigan is what happened last week against Iowa when they got beat at home and they got swept Michigan at home in two State. games. Why do you win. keep saying Michigan, dumbass? Because all of them, like the, the entire state of Michigan, should be wiped off the face of the map when it comes to basketball, except for Oakland. Shout out to Oakland; they won the rising. Good for them. We should there go to forty nine. We're losing. We're losing one of our union members here. <laughs> Greg Campy owns the state right now. Owns the yes, state. Yes, he does. Yeah, he does. Also, really should point out, in the interest of just full transparency, this is now four regular season Big Ten championships for Purdue in in the last you know, eight seasons, seven seasons. Um, that's, that's, 
that's an impressive level of consistency. And I know, Jeff, that when you think, you know, your word association, if you pull somebody over in the street and say, Purdue basketball, what do you think? They're going to say, shit the bed every March. And that's fair. But I also, and again, this is not a popular opinion, but as I've gotten older, I've learned to appreciate what you do over 35, 38 games every single season versus what might happen in one. You know, like I've – no, look, you're, you are 100% correct, and this is something that really, really pisses me off about college basketball fans, and I understand why rival fans do it, right? The easiest thing to troll Purdue on right now because they kick your ass every year during the actual season, right? The easiest thing to troll them on is that you stink in March, and 90% of casual college basketball fans don't start watching until the month of March when Purdue starts struggling. So all these people that don't really pay attention to the sport the way that we pay attention to the sport sees Purdue right. lose to Fairleigh Dickinson and says like, yeah, see, I told you Matt Painter is horrible. No, he's not horrible. 10 years ago, Purdue finished in last place in the big 10. And right now they are the best program, the healthiest program without a doubt in that conference that has Indiana, yep. that has Michigan state that has Illinois, right? Every single coach that has championships right now, was the best that couldn't do it, right? Tony Bennett was that for a while. We said that about Bill Self before he made the Final Four. Dan Hurley was a guy that was a choke artist when it got to March, and now look at what he's doing, right? Mark Few, I know he hasn't won the title yet, but he made two national title games in the span of five seasons. Matt Painter is going to get there and get it done. What The, the whole point of the college basketball regular season is to, beyond like winning the championships, is to be able to get yourself in a position where you have a chance to make a run in March. You keep getting one or two seats, eventually you're going to make a run in March. And this idea that Purdue is a horrible basketball program because they've had a couple of rough upsets in the NCAA tournament, it's just laughable to me, man. Like, enjoy I, – I hope – I hope Purdue fans, and I don't think that Purdue fans probably understand this, but I hope that they know that what they are watching every single year with Matt Painter and what he's able to put out is a treasure you should enjoy. You should enjoy every second of these wins that you get Absolutely. at home because it's not something you're going to see all that often. Now I'm off my soapbox. Sorry. Well, that's the that, that's just the culture that Goodman creates with sort of his his opinions, you know. So that's just that's that's all part Blame of that. Humble. Um, Blame Hummel yeah, for it. Then, They'd have a Final Four if it weren't for Hummel and his friggin' gimpy knee. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, last game we'll touch on here. Uh, wrong team was favored in this one, and it showed Illinois on the road at Wisconsin. Wisconsin just continues to be in free fall, Jeff. Um, so is this, is this a game your mind watch? Is it more about Illinois going on the road and getting that done, or is it Wisconsin just coming apart at the seams here? No, I, I just saw Wisconsin, and actually I thought they played fairly well at Indiana. So I think it says more about Illinois, and uh, it's funny. Our, our producer, Trevor, uh, a diehard Illini fan, reminded me earlier that after Marcus Domas' 30-point uh, outing at Madison Square Garden earlier this year, I said he'd never do it again, and uh, he's done it twice more, including tonight. He was awesome today. Um, you know, when he and Shannon are on – yeah, they're capable of beating just about anybody. I still worry about them for their point guard play, um, ultimately. But, you know, those two, you get Coleman Hawkins going. Luke Goody's not playing a ton right now. But, like, they're they're dangerous because, again, they got two dudes who can break you down, who can make tough shots in Shannon and, and Domask. Yeah, you know who they are? They are Kentucky. They are Alabama. 
They are Baylor. They are one of these myriad teams that can put up 100 points on literally anybody in college basketball and can give up 100 points against literally anybody in college basketball. They allowed 97 points to Minnesota the other day, which is the most points per possession that has been given up in like 25 years in a game that anybody has won. Like they – that that is their issue, and, and and my biggest question, and look, we know what they are offensively, and we know how good they can be. My single biggest question with this Illinois team is when you are built the way that they're built, with like four guys that are six six to six seven and athletic and switchable, with Coleman Hawkins at the five, you're built to be a really good switchable defense, and they just aren't. Like that's my biggest thing with them. And again, we're talking about them like a Big Ten title threat here, so we'll get more in the afters on them. I have more to say. Yeah, we're going to move to the afters here. Hey, appreciate you guys spending a little time with us on Saturday night here on SiriusXM. For Jeff Goodman, for Rob Dostra, I'm John Martin. Catch you tomorrow on After Dark. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.